Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship, Cyprus, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. Join us as we continue our study through the book of Acts, Luke's account of how the Holy Spirit breathed life into and empowered the early church to fulfill the Great Commission after Jesus' passion. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. The weirdest city on the earth. It can't make its mind up, can it? I keep a tank top and a sweater on hand at all times just in case, you know? Because <laughs> you could wake up and it'd be the total opposite of what you thought it was going to be the day before. Listen, we're going through the book of Acts. If you are just coming back to church or maybe you're jumping in, maybe you're brand new to the church, welcome. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Pray for your pops. Um, we've been going through the book of Acts and we're seeing how God has come at Pentecost and through his spirit has set his church on fire out into the world to take the news of Jesus, the son of God, come to earth for the salvation of the whole world, right? To take that message to everywhere. And we're, it's this kind of this historical account. You're like, oh, I hated history class. Here's the thing about history, especially biblical history. It's not separated from world history. This is world history. This is just a real story. And we get to see how God's people were set loose into the world to bring the greatest hope to it. And we as believers in Jesus get to be a part of the same thing. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we lose sight of what it is that we're doing on the earth. I was talking to my friend Ronnie here this morning, and we were talking about sending kids back to school and that sort of thing. And when you send a kid back to college, you know, we want our kids not to miss the same things that we missed. We don't want them to make the same mistakes we made. And so we are always constantly providing them with the idea that, hey, uh, he said to leave your mark. I love that. Don't miss any opportunities that God has for you to invest in lives, to share the gospel, to make a dent in the kingdom. The things that I lament the most are my missed opportunities. Opportunities that I have missed with people because I was too busy, too lazy, too tired, too whatever, focused on myself. And I missed opportunities to love them and serve them and care for them and tell them the truth about Jesus. Now, I know that I'm probably the only one in the room that's missed opportunities to do these things. I'm just trying to share with you a little bit as my family. I wonder, I wonder how we miss opportunities. And we wonder, you ever ask the question, well, why doesn't God ever use me? I don't even know if he works like he did in the Bible. When I find myself asking those questions, it's usually because I'm missing things, you know? Or maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, Pastor, I think I was the missed opportunity. I think somebody missed it with me. I think I got looked over. However you find yourself here today, my hope is that we leave different than when we got here and that as we look into this account of Paul and his friends and some others, that we realize that we get to be a part of God's work and that the level and the amount that we are able to be used in his work, which never stops, is dependent on whether or not we can see the opportunities in front of us and not miss them. 
Sounds like a good thing to talk about, don't you think? Let's get to it, shall we? Chapter 16, we're going to go back a little bit, make sure that we are clear about the context. We're going to find the second, this is part of Paul's second missionary journey. Now, I could go into all the geography and the places that he went, and let me tell you how he went. There's a really good, cool tool that I'm going to give you right now. I'm about to blow your mind. All those pastors who are so smart, and you're like, man, how do they know all this? If you flip to the back of your Bible, there's a whole bunch of maps, and one of those maps shows you all of Paul's missionary journeys. <laughs> See, we're not as smart as we look sometimes. We're just using the tools that God gave us. It's in your Bible too. And we see where Paul went, and we're going to read today how God diverted him a, a direction that Paul didn't want to go. Right? Paul had a different idea about where this journey was going to take him. He really wanted to go share the gospel in Asia, and we'll find out why that didn't happen. So what we find last week, right? we talked about how it's Jesus only. We didn't talk about all the conflict in the Bible necessarily. We touched on a little bit. There was conflict because of this idea of what does it mean to be saved, right? And if you have to add anything to it or not. So Paul and, they, Paul and Barnabas, they head to Antioch to go deliver the, the decision, right? And because Paul didn't see the church in Antioch as a parking lot, he saw it as a launching pad. He knew he wasn't going to stay there. And Paul and Barnabas get in this disagreement about who to take with them, right? So we see in chapter 15, verses 36 to the end, they... They decide they're getting their stuff together. They're packing their bags. They're putting their clothes in there. They decide, okay, who's going to come with us? And Barnabas wants to take one person. And Paul says, no, I don't know if he's reliable. He's talking about John Mark. Because he left them already once because the work was too difficult. And it says that they had such a sharp disagreement that they separated ways. Man, it's too bad they had a disagreement in church. I don't know what that's like. I'm glad we don't ever disagree about anything in here. Always on the same page. Never having problems. Always agreeing about the important stuff. See, here's the thing. Godly people can disagree. Did you know that? They disagreed so much that they went different directions. And at first glance, you'd be like, man, that's a problem. Except we ended up with two missionary teams instead of one. In, this, in the middle of the conflict, God's work didn't stop. This is important. As we read this whole chapter, this is something I want you to hold on to. In the conflict, God's work didn't stop. It never stops. When we have conflict, when we disagree, when we think we're going to go this way or that way, we're trying to figure out life, God's work never stops. So they just finally decide, Barnabas says, look, I'm going to take John Mark, we're going to go do our thing. They didn't stop loving each other. See, godly, godly disagreement doesn't lead to discord necessarily. How shallow do we have to be to disagree and sever relationships in a way that is detrimental to the kingdom? Since when is it not allowed to disagree about stuff and love each other anyway? Could you imagine a world where we disagreed about some stuff and loved each other anyway? Good grief. We might change the whole world. Could you imagine? 
a Republican Christian and a Democratic Christian. This isn't even my notes, but now I'm on it. So (laughs) disagreeing about some things and loving each other anyway. I wonder where you find that written down. For those of you watching, I apologize. For those of you in the room, you'd have to get up and walk out, and that's not gonna happen, you know. It's a lot harder to leave when you're in the room, you know. All right, let's get back to it. But they had a conflict, and they loved each other anyway. God might have changed his workmen, but the work never stopped. Let's keep going. Verse, chapter 16, verse 1. There's a lot in here, so we're gonna kind of rapid fire through some stuff and really touch on a couple important things. So Paul, he... He came also to Derby and Lystra. He'd been there before. And a disciple was there named Timothy. This is the Timothy that wrote first, right? First, second Timothy, written to Timothy. This is a young, at this point, a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but the father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and he circumcised him because the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek. Now, this seems contradictory to the last thing we talked about. Right? That you, can't, you don't have to be circumcised to get saved. Paul wasn't circumcising Timothy to be saved for salvation's sake. It was so that there were no hindrances in the work. We could sit there. We could go into this whole thing, have a conversation. Just know this is the important thing. Timothy wasn't circumcised for salvation to be justified before God. Paul did it so they wouldn't have to deal with a bunch of unnecessary stuff with the Jews they were about to go and talk to, okay? And it says, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered the observance of the decision they had reached. The apostles and elders were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. So they pick up Timothy in Lystra to go do the work. Now, Timothy was... I mean, Timothy was Paul's guy. Paul didn't have a son. Maybe Timothy was the one he always wanted to have. Paul and Timothy, we, we, there's a principle in church. Everybody should have a Paul. Everybody should have a Timothy. It's basic of, of discipleship 101. You should always have somebody investing in you spiritually, discipling you, teaching you, bringing you along, right? Bringing you along. As they go, they bring you too. And everyone should have a Timothy, someone they can pour into, someone they can disciple in the ways of the Lord and that they can bring along into the work with them. Paul and Silas pick up Timothy along the way and God's work never stops. They took advantage of the opportunities to enlist somebody who God had been working in to join them in the work. Right? They were listening. They were paying attention to the things that God had put in front of them. Even in the disagreement and the conflict, God's work never stops, and they were still able to go. When they come to Lystra, they're, what does God do? Oh, Timothy's here. What do we do with Timothy? Oh, Timothy needs to come with us. Right? They were listening. They were paying attention, and they enlisted Timothy to come with them. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia in verse 6 having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Here's, here's, the, here's the crazy. You ever have an idea of where God wants you to go? You're like, all right, Lord, let's get to Asia. We got to go tell them about Jesus. And it sounds great, and it may very well be. Paul wanted to go to Asia. He wanted to go up and turn right. It says that he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Now, you got some decisions to make when you're forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Right? You can either say, what, what was that, Lord? Did you say Asia? We do this a lot, don't we? 
we want something so bad and we start praying about it and then we start asking people questions about it. Hey, what do you think about this? And they kind of like, oh, you know, they were, he was forbidden. The door, you hear this a lot. Well, the door was just closed. Listen, you can't get a tighter shut door than the forbidden by the Holy Spirit that you find in this chapter. God said, hey, I know that that's where you want to go. I need you to go somewhere else. And this is how God let him know. He said, and when they had come to uh, Amicia, it says they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. He was going, he's testing. He's like, okay, Lord, I'm pretty, I'm going up this way. I think we're supposed to go to Asia. And he's like, nope. They attempted to go, but were not capable. The door kept getting shut. Listen, when God shuts a door, why is it that we try to kick it down? When we try to kick down doors that God closes, we miss opportunities and we create problems. When we try to kick down a door that God closes, we miss opportunities over here and we create problems in front of us. Let's see how Paul handled it. So passing, excuse me, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man from Macedonia standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I wanna go to Asia. It doesn't seem like God's gonna let us. What happens? God tells him where to go. He says, hey, I actually need you over here in Macedonia. And what's interesting, he didn't huff and puff and, no, listen, he made the most. He understood that this is what was in front of him and they went and did it and they made an assumption about why God did it. When God closes one door, what is your assumption? A lot of times, if it's me, I'm pretty thick, thick scold and I can be like, my assumption is God probably wants me to knock harder. Because I know that God told me. I know that God told me to marry that, that guy. Listen, you talk to any dad, some, if, it, if you sit and talk to a dad and, and he's like, hey, I don't think God's telling you that, you need to listen. Listen, how many times I did this, when I first was in, I was engaged once before. I swore God wanted me to marry her. Every single person that I talked to answered the same way. Godly Christian men and women who I talked to answered me the same way. You know, we'll love you no matter what, but. I'm not kidding. The scriptures told me, morning will la you know, last for over the night, but joy comes in the morning, things like that. My spirit in me was telling me this was the wrong thing. Circumstances, the, our first marriage counseling was very clear we weren't supposed to get married. So I listened right up front. And I kept on going. <laughs> I had turned to kick that door down. And God was gracious to her. And we, you know, obviously we didn't get married. See, Paul was presented with a new direction and he took it, concluding that there was a reason God diverted him a different direction. And that reason was to tell people about Jesus. Do we do the same thing? So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Somatrath, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we were supposed, excuse me, where we supposed, 
where we supposed there was a place to pray. And we sat down and spoke to a woman who had come together. Here's the deal. There was probably not a lot of Jews. It took 10 men to create a synagogue. Otherwise, they would go to a riverside. Water was very important to the synagogue. So they went down to pray. They were going to church. They were going to do the thing. They were going to do their spiritual duty to be with the Lord. Have you ever missed opportunities on your way to church because you were so... It was so important to you to get to church that you missed caring for somebody, serving somebody, maybe helping somebody. I wonder how many times on the way to church we're so focused on doing the religious work that we forget to do the spiritual work. You know? And it says the word spoken here in Acts is important. It was a personal conversation. They were not preaching to this woman. Paul didn't go down to the riverside and preach to this woman. He went down and had a quiet conversation. Her name was Lydia. There's a lot of things we go into, uh, background on Lydia. She was, she, it, there's, there's a lot of uh, history that says that she was a freed woman. She was formerly a slave, now actually could have been a businesswoman, selling purple linen. This is a big deal in this region. But she is down here, and they come to pray. They came to meet with God. And there was something presented. There was a person in front of them. They could have done two things. They could have ignored her to go pray, right? But they, they made the most of the opportunity. They had this quiet conversation with this woman who believed in God but didn't know the scriptures and needed, needed Jesus. It says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was being said by Paul and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So they went and they hung out with her at the house. They led this woman to know Jesus because they were more concerned with the work of God than their spiritual duty to themselves. They were paying attention to the opportunities that God had put in front of them as they were going. They did not think that what they needed was more important than what she needed, even at church. Have you ever gone to church and you need to go to church, right? You have that one, that Sunday where you, you wake up and you like, man, I need to go meet with Jesus. For me, that's every week, so it's not like, but you go and you're like, man, I need Jesus. I need to meet with God. I need to pray. I need those worship songs. I need that sermon. I need the people. I need, I need, I need. And then you get to church and some dummy comes and gets in the way and has something you need to do for them. And I say that because in our minds, that's how we think. Somebody needs you in that moment, even though you need to be here for yourself. Do we make the most of those opportunities also? Are we willing to set aside what we think we need to do religiously in order to take care of the spiritual needs of somebody else? Because that's what they did with Lydia, and it saved her eternity. It saved her eternity. Let's keep going. So it says, as we were going to the place of prayer, right? We're going back to church. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So this poor young woman, she has a spirit inside her that can of divination, like tell the future. So they go and they force her to tell people's futures. People pay them and she is enslaved to their oppression. 
That's what's going on. They're parading this young girl around, telling fortunes, asking people, and they're paying the money. And so she starts following around. Not unlike a lot of demons uh, presented by Jesus gets in front of some people and demons start calling out, oh, son of the mother. I mean, they start telling people who he is. He's like, Shh, it's not time yet. Well, this is no different. It says this, verse 17. She followed Paul and us crying out. These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, if you're about to walk into a concert or a basketball game and somebody's walking in behind you yelling, these are servants of the most high. They're here to proclaim the way of salvation. You'd be like, what in the world is wrong with you? What if you're with those not Christian friends that you don't tell too many people about that you have? And there are these girls walking behind you, revealing who you are and what your purpose on the earth is. What if you're walking to work, you're about to walk into the door and somebody's walking in behind you? Your boss is walking in too and he's looking at you, she's looking at you, what is wrong with you? Was the spirit wrong? Was the young girl wrong? No. But we can get uncomfortable when, when what our role on this earth is revealed as when we're not doing it all the time. Now, they were doing it. This is what it says. Verse 18 says, and she kept doing this for many days. <laughs> hey, we're going to go down. You guys want to meet us at Cypher Helping Hands? We're going to go, we're going to go do some church work over here. Oh, no, yeah, we'll go to the trust. We're going to do some church. We're going down to landing and do some church work, whatever it is, right? You go down there. Let's say you go down there four or five days a week. This person's walking in. What would you do? Ignore them? Did you get mad at them? Hey, would you leave me alone? Why are you acting crazy? I love what it says. Paul, being a real man, he says, Paul, having become greatly annoyed. <laughs> Paul got annoyed at this young, this whole circumstance. What do you do when you get annoyed? I'm going to rapid fire this bad boy at the end here. What do you do when you get annoyed? And it's not like she was saying something that wasn't true about him, right? What do you do when you get annoyed? I know what you do when you get annoyed because it's all over social media. I know what you do when you get annoyed. It's all over the news. We all get annoyed and we do all sorts of dumb things, don't we? Treat people terribly. He could have turned and he could have gotten a fight. I mean, he could have got some road rage ended up on YouTube. I mean... Here's what he did when he got annoyed. I hope I can do this. If I get annoyed at you, I hope I can do this. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out of her that very hour. He set that woman free. He called that demon out of that young woman and released her from the bondage that she had been in spiritually. He spoke to the deepest need that she had when he was annoyed at her. Could you imagine the news wouldn't know what to do if a whole bunch of Christians got annoyed at the world and started dealing with the deepest spiritual need of the people that annoyed them. Could you imagine that? What would they talk about? Well, everybody's happy now. Everybody seems content with one another. They don't agree about everything, but man, they sure do love each other. Keep taking care of the deepest need in one another. Could you imagine? 
Now, I'm sure that uh, if you're making money off of this young lady, you're not gonna be real happy, and they were not happy. The people who had been making money were angry, so they go and they haul them to court. They're like, hey, these fools are messing up our system. When the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him into the marketplace before the rulers. And what you need to know is, is they stripped him down and they beat him. They beat him with rods to punish him. They threw him in prison because they had set this young woman free and they couldn't make any money off her anymore. It was jacked up. I'm glad that doesn't happen anymore. Too often. So now we find Paul and Silas. God's work hadn't stopped when they got in the disagreement. God's work hadn't stopped when they picked up Timothy along the way. God's work hadn't stopped when they couldn't go to Asia, but they got called to Macedonia instead. God's work didn't stop when they met Lydia when they were on their way to church. And God's work didn't stop when they were confronted by this spiritual uh, kind of conflict that they had to deal with. Now, what was important is that in all of the things that they found themselves doing, God's work hadn't stopped, but they were able to be a part of it because they had made the most of each one of those. They were willing to see what was in front of them, engage it, and make sure that God was in it so they could be doing what God was doing. They made the most of every opportunity. And then they're in jail And at midnight, when everybody else should be sleeping, I don't know if the people in jail with them were excited about what just happened after this or if they were annoyed. Either way, it says they were listening. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everybody's bonds were unfastened. They were falsely imprisoned. They were beat for no reason. They found themselves in a place that they didn't need to be. And they were Roman citizens, so it was not legal how it all went down in the first place. God's work still working? Is God still working? It was. We know the story because we're not in it. We say yes because we're not in it. But if it was you in it, I wonder if the answer would still be yes, God's at work even in that. What do they do? Do they make the most of this opportunity too? All of their chains fell off. If you were in prison for the wrong reasons and you've been dealt with so poorly and the chains fell off and you had a chance to escape, would you? Would you be thinking about your freedom? I would. I'm a bad pastor, but I would. You know what? You know whose freedom Paul was thinking about? The jailer. He's cared more about the freedom of this man who was overseeing them in jail than he was about getting out because he didn't need to be there. When the jailer, uh, says when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword. He's gonna kill himself because he was gonna be punished if any of the prisoners escaped. But Paul cried out, hey, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. So the jailer, clap on, called for the lights, just kidding. They didn't have clap on back then. It was a joke. Call for the lights. And he came trembling with fear and he fell down. He's like, hold on a second. In his mind, you know he has to be wondering what in the world is wrong with these people. 
They're in here, they got beat up, they're doing some things, and they could have escaped, why didn't they? They acted in a way that is contrary to the way everybody else would have done it. Let's see what effect that had. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Timothy and Silas took the opportunity. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your whole household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and they went to his house and everybody had a chance to hear about Jesus. And they rejoiced because their entire household had believed in God, or that he had believed in God. And then the magistrates come and they want to let him go and they want to send him out quietly. Here's the thing. This whole time, Paul could have said, I'm a Roman citizen and stopped the whole thing. I think he held that card to his chest for the right exact time. You have to have wisdom and discernment as you follow God's leading, right? You can't just throw it all on the table sometimes. You have to have, David did this. Paul did this. So many people, they had wisdom. They were listening to God. Paying attention to the, not just the what and the where, but the how and the when. They were waiting for the Spirit of God to show them the way. And Paul said, I bet you'd like me to leave quietly. And when they found out they were Roman citizens, they were freaking out because now they were on the hook. And so they made them. Paul had them bring them out and basically apologize and say, hey, these are, we, it was our bad. We made a mistake. And the reason he did that was because if he had left without that happening, it could have been detrimental to the work they were doing for the gospel because people could have filled in the blanks on their own. People could have filled in the blanks on their own. But Paul knew, I'm not gonna let these people allow the church and, and the name of Jesus to be muddied because they wanted me to go away quietly. Now, he wasn't a jerk about it, but he was honest and he forced them to live in truth and in the light instead of leaving in the darkness. What does all this matter for us? God's work never stops and being used in that work will depend on our willingness to make the most of the opportunities in front of us. God's work never stops and our ability to be used in that work will be based on whether or not we will take the things God puts us in front of us, circumstances, people, and pay attention enough to do what he wants, right? To be obedient in those things instead of the things that we wanna do all the time. How do we leap into that service? Good acronym goes a long way, so listen up. If you wanna leap into service for the Lord, the first thing you have to do is listen. You have to listen to the Spirit of God, prayer, the Word, godly counsel, paying attention to circumstances. All these things are ways that we can hear and see the open and closed doors that God has for us. We have to listen first and pay attention and let him give us direction so that we're not just willy-nilly going where we want to go. I want to go to the, you know, Bahamas to do ministry. It doesn't mean God wants me to go there. I want to, he wanted to go to Asia. God said go to Macedonia. You think Houston was on the top of my list? I lived on Maui. Are you kidding me? Lord, give me the mountains. Another beach would be all right. And I love it here. God had another plan. There's a reason, right? You have to listen. You have to do what he says. That's the L. E, enlist. We have to invite others along. We have to invite others along and pay attention to who God has provided for us to go with us. 
People who will compliment us in the task assume, we have to assume the assignments are for this purpose, to preach Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation and to make disciples of all people. You're like, why do you always talk about that? Why can't we just go deeper? I'm all for going deeper, but we won't have anybody to go deeper with if we don't share Jesus. It's a both and, it's not an either or. You have to assume, God, if you're telling me to go to this part of the city, it's to share the gospel. If you're telling me to stay put, it's to share the gospel. If you're telling me to go to Timbuktu, it's to share the gospel. Right? It's meant to share the gospel. Assume that your job in the task that he's sending you on is to preach Jesus and to make disciples. And then the P, preach. Preach Jesus. Proclaim Jesus. Have a quiet conversation about Jesus. But say something. Make it clear the way to salvation is through Jesus. Leap. L-E-A-P, listen, enlist, assume, and preach. Making the most of every opportunity. Colossians says it like this. I know we've talked about this before. I'm gonna say it again. Continue steadfastly. This is a letter from Paul to the church at Colossae, and we'll be done. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us all so that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Here it is, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. The NIV says, make the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be gracious. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul never missed the opportunities, do we? Will we go boldly into the world? What if, what if we could listen well and enlist the right people, assume that our job is to preach Jesus and make disciples, and then go and do that proclamation, that preaching of Jesus? Everywhere you go, with every person in front of you, every day until you die. And then it doesn't get to be about us, it only gets to be about him. I wonder what the church could do if we could put into practice this wonderful historical account to today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the the word. Thank you, God, for how much you love us. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is present and alive today and that we have access to you through Jesus. Father, would you help us to listen, to know where and how and when and who and why? God, would you put people in our lives to enlist in the work with us or that somebody would call us up? God, help us always assume that our job is to tell people about Jesus and make disciples and give us boldness and courage to preach Jesus everywhere we go. Thank you for giving us great examples in your word. Help us to be the next great examples for others. I'm gonna invite my prayer team up. The prayer team's gonna come and we're gonna end our service like we always do. If you need prayer, you want to pray for somebody, maybe you have somebody in front of you that needs prayer. Maybe you need to be prayed for. Maybe you need to know Jesus. This is a great time to do that. It's also where we'd normally give our tithe. And we're not passing the bulls today, but you can do so online through the website and app. If you're not doing that, I really encourage you to go and do that. There's a box outside on your way out if you're looking for a place to worship God through your tithe. 
Let's stand together as we continue to worship in music and prayer. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Cypress app to find community in the body of Christ.